currently, there are 3.2 billion people that have never had the opportunity to hear the name of Jesus. Not million, I'm talking billion with a B. 3.2 billion people that have never had the opportunity for, and I'm not saying they've heard about Jesus and they've chose to reject him. I'm saying they have never had someone witness the name of Jesus. In the last 2,000 years of gospel witness, they have never had an opportunity to hear the name of Jesus. No one has ever opened up the word of God to them. I, I can go on my iPad right now. I've got 1,900 Bible resources just here on my iPad alone. Yet there's languages that have yet to have any portion of scripture translated. But I bring some really big encouragement today. We are moving towards, for the first time in history, seeing every language on earth have a portion of scripture translated. We, we, are, we are literally on the cusp of seeing every tribe, people, and tongue have access to the gospel that has never happened before in 2,000 years of church history. We're, we're living Matthew 24, 14. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all ethnos, all people groups, and then the end will come. We are for the first time reading pages on scripture and they're unfolding right in front of us. And one thing I love, and, and my wife and I, we get to work a lot with the next generation, a lot with high school students, university students. And we look at Gen Z. Gen Z right now, there's 67 million Gen Zers in America. It's a big number, 67 million. Gen Z is the largest generation in history, and it's the most ethically diverse generation in history. We also look at, at Gen Z, and you can, you can read some of these statistics. If you look Barna, Barna's done some research. Some of the Barna statistics, one of the, the research polls said only 4% of Gen Z has a biblical worldview. That means only 4% of Gen Z actually reads this book and applies it to their life. 4%. But let me give you another statistic that really encourages me. 67% of the 67 million feel they have a moral obligation to do something to change the world. So why in the last two years have we seen protests? Why in the last two years did we see riots? It's because we have the most missional generation in history. But only 4% of them have a biblical worldview. So the two things we need to give a generation is one, a biblical framework for living. How do we have a biblical ideology around justice? And then with those 67% that feel called to do something to change the world, let's give them a vision to live for, which I believe that vision is 3.2 billion people that have never heard the name of Jesus. That's what I believe the vision is for, is the greatest injustice of all of time has been that someone is destined for hell. That when they lay their head at night, if they were to pass in the night, they would not be going to heaven, but rather they'd be going to hell. The greatest injustice is that someone's eternity would be spent separated from God. And I believe if we can give Gen Z those two things, we will see the greatest move of God in history. And I believe that America, I believe globally, we have yet to see our greatest missions movement. I look at the Jesus movement of the 70s, and I believe that was only a foretaste of what God wants to do in our generation. I look at the revivals of the 90s, and I think that's only a foretaste of what God wants to do in this generation. So my wife and I, we are believing that God wants to do something. So we were given a word, 2013 YWAM was given a word, 
And the word was that there were coming a day where 200,000 missionaries would be sent from America and 80 million salvations in America. Right now, there's 400,000 missionaries on the missions force, on the mission field. 400,000 for 3.2 billion. That's a that's not a lot of missionaries for 3.2 billion. You can divide, do the math. I was not a math major. I was a theology major. So please do not ask me to do the math. Um, but really a small percentage, I think the number is like 10 to 20% of those 400,000 missionaries are actually working amongst those 3.2 billion people. So the number is even smaller. That means only 20% of our current missions force is actually working towards reaching the unreached. That are actually reaching the person who's never had an opportunity to hear the name of Jesus. We gotta do something about this. And I believe Gen Z is the most missional generation and I believe they're gonna do something about it. All we need to do is give them a biblical framework for living and a vision to live for. And we're gonna see the greatest global revival that we have ever seen. Amen? Okay. Well, I'm excited and expectant uh, to jump into the word this morning. Uh, the first two services have been incredible and uh, everything I've heard is service number three is the best. Don't tell the first two services I said that, but I heard third service is the best service. So come on somebody. Um, so I need you guys with me, but if you could open up your Bible, we're gonna jump into Acts 16. Acts 16, we're gonna go into verse six. And we're jumping into Paul's second missionary journey. So if you've, if you've read through the book of Acts, you know that there's three different journeys that Paul has. Their first one is much more evangelistic. The second one seems to be more pastoral, or at least that's their ambition to go and visit these churches. And so we kind of come on this journey where Paul and Barnabas, they were out preaching the gospel, doing the, you know, doing the, doing the Jesus thing, bringing the gospel to where it had not yet gone. And they find themselves, they're back in for the Jerusalem council because so many Gentiles were getting saved that the, Jew, the cultural Jews who had been saved and then you had cultural Greeks who were being saved, they had a, a massive difference in culture, right? So the early church was a multi-ethnic, multicultural church. It was not just one people, it wasn't just Jews, it was Gentiles too. But the Jews were imposing their culture on the Gentiles saying, you got to do this, you got to do this. So they have the Jerusalem council, Paul, Barnabas, Peter, they kind of set everybody straight and say, hey guys, this is how it is. This is what it means to be kingdom. And then they go off and, and Paul's with Barnabas and he's got a, 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 a suggest. He says, you know, Barnabas, let's go out and let's go reach, um, you know, let's go uh, give some pastoral care to all the churches that we planted. And Barnabas thinks that's a great idea. And he says, can we take John Mark with us? And Paul's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You mean John Mark, the guy that ditched us like halfway through our first missionary journey? Absolutely not. And they have such a sharp disagreement. They're like, I'm, Paul's like, I'm not going with that jabroni. Like he's not coming with me. So Barnabas, if you want John Mark, you're gonna have to go that way and I'm gonna go this way. Let's still do the Jesus thing, but I don't know if we're gonna be able to go together. So Barnabas and John Mark, they go on their deal and Paul and his crew, they go on their journey. And we find ourselves here in verse six. It says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the regions. Guys, and, and again, I'm also not like a language guy. I took Greek um, and I got a C minus in Greek, okay, when I was getting my, uh, my theology degree. Uh, but I was always told in high school that C's get degrees. Um, 
don't, you know, if you're in high school, get A's because A's give more opportunities and C's you end up like me. Um, I had a 1.3 cumulative GPA going into my junior year of high school. My destiny was definitely like dipping fries at McDonald's as a career path. Not like I'm in the middle of things. It was like your career is you're the professional fry dipper at McDonald's. And that's like all I got on my resume. That was my destiny because I was so bad at school, but I can testify to the goodness of God. I graduated with a 3.2 GPA. I have my undergrad in, in, in Christian leadership and I just graduated with my master's degree in theological studies. I'm just saying God can do anything, amen. So all that to say, preface, if I mess up one of these um, cities, they're kind of hard to pronounce, okay? So can you have a little grace on me? Okay, thank you, thank you. So Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Maisha and they went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. You see, I love in, in, in it seems in the West, we love to pray for open doors. Am I the only one who loves to pray for an open door? Like I want that open door for that house. I want that open door for that job. I want that open door for that car. Like we love to pray God open the door. But what about when God closes the door? Like I don't hear a lot of Christians saying, God close this door, close that door, close every door. I don't want the doors, you know, I don't, I don't hear Christians praying like that so often. But you see, we see in this moment where Paul is on a godly journey. He's going to bring pastoral care to the churches that he had planted, right? Yeah. You would expect that is a good godly thing to do, right? That's a good godly thing to do. Yet God hinders them from preaching the gospel. God hinders them from entering into a city. Could you imagine if Paul would have gotten discouraged? Could you imagine if Paul, right? Because sometimes, right, when, when, when we're so like gung-ho about what we feel God's called us to do, our ministry, our thing, our job, our whatever, is as soon as a door seems to get shut, it's like we all of a sudden go into the closet and we're like, am I in sin? Does God, like, does God hate me? Like, God, do you hate me? Is that why you close this door? Like you, you have hatred towards your son? Like what's, right? Am I the only one who asks those questions or am I in like good company, right? Where, where the closed door is not an opportunity, rather it's God's judgment on us. Like I've had this belief, but if I look at scripture here, I actually look, Paul had a posture in the midst of a closed door that led to the gospel moving forward violently in Europe that would actually lead to us being able to be in this church today. Because Paul decided not to listen to the closed door, not to get discouraged by the closed door, but instead ask God, God, what do you want to do with this closed door? What is the opportunity that is meant to come from the closed door? You see, I, I, can I be honest? I'm in probably the busiest season of ministry that I ever have. And I'm not old. Like, it's not like I've been around 
a long time. I'll probably have busier seasons, but in my 28 years, I'm the busiest that I've ever been. And I could tell you my travel schedule, I've flown to the East Coast three times in the last week from Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, most of that is poor administrative work on myself. Um, like I'm telling people, so I, I just, I was in Kona, I flew out to, well, my wife and I were in South Africa with our family last month. We fly back, I'm home for two and a half weeks. I fly out to Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm there in Nashville for a few days. I fly home for three days for my daughter's first birthday. I fly back to Nashville. I come home for one day, pick up my beautiful girl, my wife, and we fly here to be with you. I'm in the busiest season of my life. My, my wife and I are in the process of um, launching a community, um, a, a missions base in uh, the Southeast. So we're doing a lot of prep work for that. There's a lot that that entails, a lot of stress on our family. Good stuff, it's not bad, it's, it's good stuff. But I notice in the busyness of life, in the busyness of building that I find myself getting distracted. I find myself getting distracted by the, the, the hustle and bustle. And I'm in New York City, so I get it. Like this is the city of the grind. And if you want to afford to live here, you need like 15 side hustles and pick up every penny you can find off the floor. Like I live in Hawaii. I get it. We got expensive real estate. Rent ain't cheap. Don't even think about buying a house. You know what I'm saying? Like it's expensive. So we live and we celebrate and it's almost like our generation and our culture, we celebrate workaholism. We love it. Like, I mean, you, you look on Gary Vee's Instagram, like how many Saturdays are you spending garage sailing? Like, you know, you just gotta make the money. Like, like there's just constant ways to create wealth, build wealth, while all are good things. We cannot get so swallowed up in the upkeep of our ministry. We cannot get so swallowed up in the upkeep of our everyday life that we forget the purpose of the incarnation, which was to seek and save that which was lost. We can get so distracted by keeping up, not bad things, good things, but we actually miss the whole goal of the incarnation, the whole goal of you being on this spinning rock around a flaming ball of fire is for you to be an ambassador of heaven on the earth. Not, not for you to have a good job and make a lot of money. It's you have a good job because you're meant to be a light in darkness. That is your call as an ambassador of heaven. But we get distracted. And so I'm in the busiest season of my life. And we uh, get into our hotel last night and we go and get dinner at our hotel and, and we're finishing and I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, man, I gotta get a, probably a couple hours of prep time, you know, before service this morning. So I'm kind of like, you know, we finished, we pay the bill, da 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 and we're like heading out. And I'm like speed walking. I'm like, let's go, let's get back up to our room. I gotta, I gotta study. And I find my wife. And she goes, hold on a second. Oh my Lord, praise God for a godly wife. And she stops and she meets with our hostess and she gives her a, a word that she had felt from the Lord. And she just begins to talk to her. She begins to minister to this young girl who'd just been grinding it out. And she starts ministering. The love of God just hits this girl. She's getting so touched by the Holy Spirit. And here I am off on the side, like, come on. Like, come on, I got places to go, people to say, you know, I got things to do. Because I, I, I'm being honest with you. Like, I don't, I don't want you to like, just because I got a microphone and I got a stage means that I have my whole life figured out. 
I'm, I'm, I'm just as broken. I'm just as like working out my salvation in fear and trembling as the rest of us. And so I'm sitting over there and I'm like, I'm just like, God, like I need grace because I got to preach tomorrow. Like, and I tried to do it on the airplane, but the Wi-Fi was out and they wanted to charge me 50 bucks. And I'm like, absolutely not. Am I paying $50 for something I can get free at a coffee shop? And so I'm sitting there and I'm just, and the Holy Spirit just so kindly speaks to me. He says, Jeff, will you just sit with me? You see, and, and he began to minister to my heart, showing me that my wife gets something that I didn't. She wasn't distracted by the busyness. She wasn't distracted by the hustle and bustle of ministry. She was able to sit, listen, and God could move her and position her to minister to this sweet girl who is our hostess. And the love of God pours out on this young girl and our hope is that her life is changed from that moment forward. But it's so easy to get distracted by the hustle and bustle of life and I'm all for rhythms of rest but you do not find those rhythms of rest for yourself. Those rhythms of rest are meant for you to hear God's voice, not for your, and I'm all for mental health. I am like, trust me, like I am all about, I, I had a panic attack two years ago that basically led me on this journey where I realized that I was living in such a way that was not gonna be sustainable. I am all for having rhythms of rest, but your rhythms of rest cannot be self-serving. They have to be in a place where God can meet you and move you. Because when we get into the hustle and bustle and we try to take over control, it takes out obedience in the journey of discipleship and following Jesus. Obedience is less about the destination and more about the process of you getting to the destination. And I was so moved and so challenged by my wife just taking a moment and sitting with this girl of seeing how often do I find myself distracted. I am so glad Peter was not too distracted by his own personal ambition for his pastoral mission. I'm so glad he wasn't distracted. I'm so glad he wasn't trying to, you know, God tries to redirect and he says, no, 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 God. Like I'm doing my thing. I'm doing the good thing. I'm doing the God thing. I'm doing the Jesus thing. But he allows the closed door to be an opportunity to say, God, what do you want to do with this closed door? I didn't get that job. God, what do you want to do? I didn't get that fill in the blank. God, what do you want? To, not saying, God, do you hate me? Saying, God, okay, on the other side of this is another opportunity. It is another opportunity for me to be an ambassador. It is another opportunity to me, for me to find the 3.2 billion people that have never heard the name of Jesus. You see, here's the thing about V1. Can I prophesy for a second? Here's the thing about V1. You are not a local church. You are a global movement. You are not just a local expression while you have, that is part of your manifestation. But I believe God has called this community to reach the hardest and darkest cities in America and the hardest and darkest regions in the world. That does not happen if we are too distracted and too settled on our selfish ways of how we think church should look. Well, I want church to be packaged in this perfect, beautiful little thing. I, I, it's got to look a certain way. I need, you know, two songs, one slow, one fast, one to get my emotion right. The smoke's got to be just right. The lyrics got to be on the stage, this and that. Like, there's got to be coffee and it's got to be good coffee because if it ain't good coffee, I ain't going to that church, right? We've got all of our things that we like to package church to be, but I am telling you, V1, you are not a local church. You are a global movement. Yeah. 
And there is a Macedonian call, not just for the highly anointed and the speakers on the stage, but there is a Macedonian call for the mother. There is a Macedonian call for the doctor, for the teacher, for the lay worker. There is a Macedonian call where your neighbor is crying out saying, come to me. Because there is a neighbor in your community that is yet to hear the name of Jesus. There is a neighbor in your community that is struggling with suicidal thoughts and depression. It's saying, come to me. I need the peace that you have found in Jesus. I need the hope that has filled your life, that's filled your home, that's filled your family. I need what's inside of you, the joy unexpressible and full of glory, the peace that surpasses all understanding, the love that is incomprehensible. I need what you have, V1. I believe New York is crying out. I believe Indiana is crying out, saying, V1, will you give us what you have? There's a Macedonian call for every single one of you this morning. And I believe there is someone crying out saying, would you come to me? But if you are too distracted by the upkeep of life, hear me. I'm not, I'm not trying to come on strong. You know, you got to do what you got to do. I get that. I get that. But if we're missing an opportunity for God to move, then we've missed it altogether. Well, I'm just waiting for the divine moment. Guess what? The divine lives in you. Make it a moment. I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for the opportunity at my workplace that, that I get an opportunity to share the gospel. Oh my gosh, you've got lips, you've got feet, you've got a testimony. Come on, come on. Don't wait for the moment. He lives inside of you. He's inside of you. He's not just in Pastor Mike and Pastor Julie. The anointing doesn't just rest on the pastor. Jesus wiped that away. That he said, it's better that I go. He said, it's better that I go because if I don't go, you don't get the helper. And Jesus said, you're gonna do the same things that I did and even greater things. And we preach that in a way that we're gonna do better miracles than God. And I don't know, I'm, 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 I don't wanna say that I'm gonna do better miracles than God, but what I believe he was saying in that scripture is that Jesus was one man. And he said, it's better that I go. He needed to go so the Holy Spirit could possess the everys and the alls. He could possess young. He could possess old. He could possess black. He could possess white. He could possess Latino. He could possess every and all because we desperately need the every and the all if we're going to reach the everys and the alls. V1, would you stand with me this morning? I didn't get to share the title of my message, but the title of my message is Eyes of Harvest. And the prayer team, you guys can make your way up. We're gonna have an opportunity for you to respond this morning. Wherever you're watching, there's gonna be an opportunity for you to respond to this call, to the Macedonian call. So I give you two points. My first point, and guys, I'm not like, I, I'm not good at like alliteration and making things sound really good together, but I got two points for you this morning. Point number one, a closed door doesn't mean no door. It just means an opportunity for another door. So don't be discouraged by your closed door. Rather be encouraged that God has another door. 
And my second point is on the other side of you pressing through is a Macedonian man who's calling out saying, come to me. I'm gonna close with this verse and then we're gonna pray. I love to pray. John 4, the woman at the well. You guys, I'm sure have heard this story. I'm sure Pastor Mike has preached this story. We have a woman who finds herself in the hottest part of the day. She obviously doesn't want to be seen, but Jesus sees her, has a moment where he gets to share the gospel with her, gives her a word of knowledge. She freaks out about the word of knowledge. She goes back into her community and she tells everybody about it. And while that is happening, Jesus' boys, his disciples, they come up to him. They're like, Jesus, you need to eat food. You, you've been doing ministry. You've been doing the works of God. It's amazing. But like, like, don't you understand that your body needs nutrition? They were distracted. They were distracted that was something that was momentary. They were distracted by something that was monetary. They were distracted by something that could and had no eternal value. And Jesus responds to them. And he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying that it's four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Can I, I just wanna show the picture of what happened in this moment. This would have all probably worked really beautifully. As, as they're saying, Jesus, you gotta eat. He's saying, guys, look. And this woman at the well had gone and she began and there were floods of people that were coming to Jesus. And he goes, guys, the harvest isn't four months down the road, it's today. Like, look right there, there's a whole city coming because they want hope. There's a whole city because they want Jesus. There's a whole city because they want peace. New York City, Indiana, global community, I am telling you, there are not four months until harvest. There are not four more months for the harvest to be ripe. It is ripe today. Your city, your neighborhood, your family, your community, it is ripe today. So I'm gonna pray. And I believe that God wants to show you your Macedonian man this morning. He wants to show you the barista that you get coffee from. He wants to show you the, 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 the store clerk at the grocery store you go to weekly. So I'm gonna pray, would you just put your hands up, out however you want to respond to the Holy Spirit and then we're gonna have an opportunity to pray. But Jesus right now, We are asking for your heart for the lost, for the broken, for the hurting, for the dying, for the addicted, for the abuser. Father, we are asking, would you show us like you did Paul, who is crying out? We slow ourselves down this morning of the hustle and bustle of life. And we pause to listen. God, is it a nation for me? Is it an Iranian business leader? Is it an Iraqi coffee shop barista? Is it a Nepali mom? Is it an African, a Congolese child that has just been put into war? Is it my neighbor? Is it my boss? Father, we are asking for your heart this morning. So we have an incredible prayer team up here. They've been flowing with me all day. But if you wanna to respond to this call, if you wanna respond, because I believe right now we have an opportunity to stand in the gap 
for that person, that someone that God highlighted you. But it doesn't stop here. We don't just pray for the harvest, we respond to the harvest. I will never pray a prayer that I'm not willing to respond to. So we're gonna have an opportunity at this altar to pray. But do not come up here to pray if you are not willing to act. So this altar is open. And if you wanna stand in the gap for the Macedonian man that God is calling to you, I wanna invite you to come up and please, I, my wife's gonna be up here. I'm, it's, the, it's the last service, we got time. We wanna pray for you. I believe there's an impartation for souls. There's an impartation for the lost. There's an impartation for this church to take nations. So if that's you, if you wanna come up and you wanna...